The Baal Shem Tov, which means the master of the good name, was a great teacher who is recognized as the founder of the Hasidic movement in Judaism. He lived in the 18th century, and he brought to Judaism the practice of deep emotional connections and attachment to God. One of the main ways he taught was through the use of stories, and it is said that many people were transformed just by being in his presence as he told amazing tales. After he died, his students began to tell stories about him, and the legends of the Baal Shem Tov have had a dramatic effect on Judaism. Here is one of my favorite stories, and in it are a large number of mystical elements that teach us, in a gentle way, basic principles in Jewish mysticism. Now the story will carry more magic for you if you are able to follow along without distraction, allowing your imagination to fill with images to the best of your ability. The idea, if possible, here and when I tell other stories, is not to simply listen to the story, but to be in it, to immerse yourself. The ability to use your imagination, to dwell in the stories, and the meditations that we will be experiencing will enhance the process of mending the vessel of your being so that more light will fill it. Skillful use of the imagination is the beginning of the process of dwelling in the chariot so that you can be truly free of time constraints more and more until you are able to break through to the higher realms. Once upon a time, the Baal Shem Tov went for a ride with his students in his famous carriage led by horses that had magical qualities. It was well known that the Baal Shem Tov could step into the carriage and go for just a matter of a couple of hours and end up someplace hundreds of miles away from where he left. Somehow, this magical carriage of the Baal Shem Tov could bend time and bend space and cover enormous distances in impossibly short periods of time. The Rebbe and his students rode in the carriage, and as the Rebbe dozed off, night fell and it seemed as if they were traveling enormous distances. They entered into a forest, a dark, covered forest, and there was no way of telling whether it was day or night. They traveled like this for a long time, and the students were a little concerned because they had never been with the Rebbe in his carriage for such a length of time. They noticed that the Rebbe began to move, and when he awoke, he said, My students, do you know it's Friday, and the sun is going down? 
the Sabbath is upon us. The students became very agitated and were really disturbed. How could it be? They've gone traveling in the carriage, and here comes the Sabbath, and they have no food, and they have no place to sleep, and there's no place for them to celebrate the holiest day of the year. You know the Sabbath comes every week, but in Judaism it's known to be the holiest day of the year, more important than any of the other holy days that happen in the calendar. The students looked around and they could see nothing. It was so dark. But then, off in the distance, they saw a small cabin. And they thought, Ah, here's the place where we can spend the Sabbath. So they went to the door of the cabin and they knocked. And when the door creaked open, they saw, standing behind it, a giant of a man. He looked awful. He smelled. He had a scraggly, unkempt beard. His eyes glared at them. And his teeth were almost like fangs, with little bits of juice flowing from the corner of his mouth. He looked at them and he said, What do you want? And they said, Dear sir, we're lost in the woods, and the Sabbath is upon us. And we were wondering, would it be possible for us to come in with our teacher and share the Sabbath with you? He looked at them and he said, I know you're kind. You're the kind that wants to sing and wants to dance and wants to tell stories at the Sabbath table. That's not the way we do it here. Find some other place. And he slammed the door in their face. They looked at each other. It was a horrible experience. There was no place to go. The sun was going down. They had to have some place to celebrate the Sabbath. And so they knocked on the door once again. And they said, Kind sir, please allow us to come inside and spend the Sabbath with you. We'll do anything you ask. He looked at them again, and he said, I'll let you in on one condition, and that is, you'll do it my way. There'll be no singing, there'll be no dancing, and there'll be no telling of stories at my Sabbath table. They were aghast. The Sabbath without joy, without singing and dancing? But what could they do? And so they agreed, and they entered into the cabin of this giant of a man. There before them was a table, a rough wooden table, and it had old silverware and old things around. There were some candles lit in the background, but little else for them to feel the experience of the joy of the Sabbath. As they looked around, the room really hadn't been cleaned. There were cobwebs in the corner, and little critters walked across the floor. But what could they do? So they sat at this table, 
and the host, this ugly giant, raised a cup that was filled with wine, and he mumbled the blessing on the wine and spilled some of it on his hand and on his shirt sleeve and all over the table. And he drank a little and gave each of them but just the tiniest morsel to taste. And his wife brought in some bread that was old and stale. And he mumbled another blessing and ripped it apart and threw crumbs around the table for each of his guests to have a taste. And so the meal went. When the soup came in, placed before the host, he looked and snarled a little bit, and believe it or not, he sneezed into the soup and then passed it out for each of them to taste. The students looked at each other in horror. They'd never experienced such a thing. How could this be? How could they be having such a miserable Sabbath experience? Meanwhile, the Baal Shem Tov sat at the other end of the table, stroking his beard, looking curious, not really agitated, wondering what was coming next. And so the evening went. Not a word of joy was uttered. Not a song was sung. Not a story was told. And the giant of a man grumbled and ate and passed out tiny portions until the meal was ended. And then they said, very quickly and very silently, the blessing after the meal. And they were led away to the room where they were to sleep. It was a bare room. It had a little straw on the floor, and that's where they spent the night, miserable and cold. The next day, they had another meal. As everyone knows, on the Sabbath, there are three special meals. At the second meal, it was very much like the first. Very fast blessings, passing of crumbs around the table. Only little bits of food. No stories, no song. And so it went. A quiet afternoon, third meal came, the same experience. And the students of the Baal Shem Tov could hardly wait for the sun to go down Saturday night so that they could leave this place and never come back again. And so it was when the sun went down and the blessings were said that ended the Sabbath. The students said to the Baal Shem Tov, Is it not time to leave, Master? And the Baal Shem Tov said, I believe we should leave. But the master of the house turned and said, You're not leaving. You haven't paid for your meals. And so he said, You must stay and pay in work. There's much to do around here. Well, the students wanted to leave, but there was nothing they could do. And the Baal Shem Tov said, Of course, sir, we will stay and we will work to pay our way. And so it was that the next day, 
they were made to work around the cabin. And the day after, and the day after that, and as they tried to leave, the giant of a man would come along and say, But you're not done yet. There's more to do. And so it went, all week long. Friday came, and the students looked at each other, saying, How could it be? How could it be that we have to spend another miserable Sabbath here in this place? When the sun went down, they filed into the room, and they could not believe what they saw, because there, in the room that had been so dingy and filled with cobwebs last week, was a room filled with light. There were candles everywhere. It had been scrubbed so clean. The table was covered with a beautiful white tablecloth. Gorgeous dishes were set all around. There were goblets, and the silverware was made of gold. The table was piled high with food. And when the owner of the house came in, he was clean-shaven, and he was wearing a beautiful shirt, and he had a smile on his face that radiated around the room. And he said to everyone, Good Shabbos, good Shabbos, and welcome. And he began to sing a little song. The students of the Baal Shem Tov sat down transfixed as the owner of the home said the most beautiful blessing and filled everyone's cup with the sweetest wine and encouraged them to say their own blessings and to sing, to sing the songs of the Sabbath and to be happy and to dance around the table and to tell stories. And the owner's wife brought in plates full of food and freshly cooked bread and more wine and wonderful dessert. The house was filled with a radiant joy and this was what the Sabbath was all about. They could not understand what had happened. But the wife of the giant walked over to the Baal Shem Tov, and she said to him, Do you remember me? And he looked, and he knew that he remembered her, but he couldn't quite place where it was. She said to him, I am Sarah, your maidservant from thirty years ago. Instantly, the Baal Shem Tov recognized her. He remembered so well, thirty years ago, one particular night that had been so difficult for him. He had had a terrible headache that night, and he remembered that somehow it was connected with his maidservant, Sarah. She went on to say, Do you remember the last night I was with your family? It was a Shabbos night, and I had made a wonderful soup, and I so much wanted to bring in the soup bowl. And you know, I was one of those clumsy people. I tended to shake a little bit sometimes and spill the soup, and sometimes I would even trip I don't know why. That was just something that I was given as a young person. 
and your wife had said she didn't want me to bring in the soup. But then she agreed to let me do it. And you remember what happened? I was so proud, and I was walking in with the soup, and I tripped on the rug, and it spilled all over everything in front of all of your guests. And your wife was so angry. I'd never heard her yell like that before. I was terribly embarrassed. And I noticed that you didn't say a thing. You just sat as this all took place. When I left the room, I was visited by an angel who took me up to the higher realms, and I saw what happened. What happened was that those angels that accused you flew up and said, the Baal Shem Tov allowed somebody to be embarrassed in front of all of his guests. A person of his stature knows that it's not permissible to allow somebody to be embarrassed in public like that. In fact, he knows it so well, he shouldn't be allowed to live. Your defending angels flew up and they said, But the Baal Shem Tov is a wonderful person. He's done great things for others. He doesn't deserve to die. The accusing angels brought in more testimony. Well, he did this, and he did that, and he did this, and he did that. And the defending angels said, but he did this and that. And this incredible heavenly battle took place as your life was put on trial for my embarrassment. It was a battle with sparks and a battle that flew for a long time as the angel sided up in both directions. And I wasn't sure how it was going to be decided until at the end, one angel flew up to your defense and said, the Baal Shem Tov, he once helped this person just by touching them at the right time in the right place. He deserves to live. And so the decision was made for you to live, but only on one condition. It was decided at that time, all right, the Baal Shem Tov shall live, but one Shabbos must be destroyed for him. And so it was judged that you should live but that you should pay the penalty of suffering one miserable Shabbos. The Baal Shem Tov realized what had happened. He had known all along throughout the week that there was something special about being in this place. He just couldn't figure it out. And when he glanced over at the host the large man who now had a smile on his face, he recognized in him that here was a Lamed Vav Tzaddik, 
Alamad Bav Tzadik is one of the 36 righteous people who live in the world and hold it together by fulfilling the edicts of heaven. Of course, he was just playing his role last week. He was just doing what was required of him, of paying the debt to the Baal Shem Tov that bought him his life. The Baal Shem Tov raised his glass in praise of the Lamad Vav Tzadik and received a smile in return. And so it was that the Baal Shem Tov had one of his Shabbos's ruined so that he could go on with his life. Yeah.